The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Hello, it's the Greats. And you're tuned to KUCI 88.9 FM. In Irvine. And I say, where else? You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, Heather, I have to ask you, did you miss me? Yes. It was weird doing everything by... um by tape, actually, so yeah, for the last three weeks. Did the sound of my voice comfort you and put you to sleep? <laughs> no, it didn't comfort me and put me to sleep. I I was wide awake during the whole thing, so, yeah. All right, well, that's good. Yeah, there's only a few people that can put me to sleep. There's this, like, um, one of my friends, Dagmar, who does German radio music, she has this whole thing where you have this, like, it's weird. I don't even know what it's called. I forgot the name of it. But basically, it's just like your brain, you're turning yourself off, essentially, one system at a time. And then it's just like, you know, like, concentrate on the pillow. Your head is falling back to the pillow. And it's like this very comforting woman telling you all this. And so, like, she's introduced me to that. So when I really can't sleep, I just put that on my iPod and, and I just conk right out. She, so. puts, you, she puts you there, huh? Yeah, she puts me right there. So it's good because sometimes I have an overactive mind and I just cannot go to sleep. Well, so. I think that's the, the key, though, for me. I feel like we all have an overactive mind. And a trick that I've learned lately is, well, I guess in the last three years I've been employing this trick – I will listen to something mildly interesting, not so interesting that I get motivated to change my life in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. but maybe like I would listen to C-SPAN or something that's mildly grabs my attention. (laughs) (laughs) Just enough to get me off my own thoughts. Yeah. And then I can drift off to sleep. But if you wake up in the middle of the night, you got to get that radio on before your thoughts turn on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because then you can get right back to sleep. Otherwise, you're up for three hours solving yeah. your problems and the world's problems. Well, at one point, I used to fall asleep to um, Miles Davis's Bridges Brew, which is kind of abstract jazz. And then it would just kind of, my brain would just That'd kind of go out. out. My brain just kind of conks out after that. But after a while, that stopped working its magic. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, you just got to <laughs> switch things up a bit. Yeah, yeah. But anything definitely. to get sleep and anything get sleep that's not medically induced because you don't want to go out like michael jackson well those sleep cycles don't don't end up producing deep rest over time they you start to just i would beg to differ i was in a lot of pain (laughs) and i took epidurals and so the medicine that they knocked me out with that was the only good sleep I had for like the entire time when I, my back was out. Well, I mean, th- obviously they were developed for some good reasoning, but for yeah. the people that like that take Benadryl every night just to get to bed, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that that's not so good. Habit forming, habit forming, a little <laughs> bit maybe. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so I've been busy and gone. Sorry to all of our listeners, all three of you. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> There's probably more than that. <laughs> my mother's probably listening. Um, your mother, my mother. Um, <laughs> probably not mine. <laughs> together, <laughs> together we can form a really good um, coalition of folks. But um, 
I've been busy because I've been, you know, tr- testing my skills at, at a little business lately. Another and one? No. Oh. Well, I don't know. I, I've got several <laughs> up, up in the air at any given time. But I, I would definitely say I'm a serial entrepreneur. And so my girlfriend and I are out. Like I told you, we've, we're have we going to have her in the studio next week so we can talk about all our adventures. But I've been out during this holiday season because there's a lot of women that have raised their families or are still engaging in raising their families. And they're working towards maybe a follow-on career for the rest of their life because they're realizing that slowly this job of raising your kids is coming to an end. And at some point when they hit the teenage years, it's not as deeply fulfilling as it was during the early years. So I have... um, Was it ever fulfilling? Oh, immensely. (laughs) I just can't even begin to tell you how wonderful it was. That's a whole other show. When I was growing up, it wasn't fulfilling on my side. Well, no, yeah, because on your backside, probably, because you're probably getting in trouble. But... No, there's a certain stage of it that's just deeply just gratifying, gratifying and okay. fulfilling, yeah. Well, and that's then, good to know. And then you take all that creativity and you don't know what to do with it because your kids don't need it anymore and you want to place it somewhere. And you've developed infinite wisdom. You've developed um, that that creative flow and learning how to harness your own creativity so you want to put it somewhere. And so when we're meeting all these fab- fabulous women out there in the world that are really putting themselves out there and, um, you know, coming at it a second time after raising a child and um, being creative. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the spirit of today's, in that is the spirit of today's guest. And I have with me today in the studio, Kathy Kelly, to tell us about her own journey, uh, one of being a single mother and also um, race, basically reinventing yourself in the business world. So welcome to the studio, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you for being available on such short notice and for being such a trooper. Um, I, I was on the phone with three women today, all having to find rides home for their kids. Where, where would we be without our friends? Lost completely. Yeah, lost completely. We wouldn't get much done, that's for sure. <laughs> so thank you for being in the studio. Thank you for having me here. So, Kathy, tell us a little bit about, well, A, we wanted to have you here because you're, you haven't reinvented yourself. You've had a long career at, in nursing, and that's taking you down a path to where now you're a nurse practitioner. So I want to know a little bit about that and then what, how you've decided to use that education today to set yourself up in a new business. Okay. Um, I actually, like you said, I was an ER nurse, and I took a trip to Albania during the Kosovo War. That basically inspired me and changed my life. And I came back and spoke with the um, uh, VP of nursing care services at at UCLA. And I told her I really want to make a difference in nursing. And at that point, I had my associate degree. And she was very honest. And she said, at this point, you will need to go back and get your education if you really want to make a difference. And so that in addition to meeting some children as refugees in Albania during the Kosovo War <clears throat> and her advice, I then began um, to pursue a higher level of education. What were you again at the time you said? I was an associate degree um, okay. registered nurse, and I was actually an administrative nurse in the ER at UCLA. Oh, wow. So well, that had to have been a busy and hectic it job. It was busy, and I, I really loved it, but... I had been doing it for a long time, so at a certain point, um, I just felt it was better for me to be doing something different. And as I said, I I love the profession of nursing. I have a lot of people that will ask me, well, didn't you want to be a doctor? Or 
when are you going to become a doctor? But they don't understand that I truly love the profession and I want to, to, I want to make it better as I go along. So. Make nursing better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. so what led you to Albania? And let's talk about some of the personal revelations that you had while you were there. It was just, it was an opportunity that came up um, to, to go on a medical missions team to work with some, some refugees there. And I just knew when I heard about it that I really wanted to go. And I was chosen to be on one of the teams. And I went there. Um, it was a whole new experience. I've always been pretty protected. So when we landed on the plane, our plane actually had to spiral down because we were in the war zone. And if we would have gone out of that zone, we would have, you know, faced some fire. Then once we landed, there were um, soldiers at every end of the it's, runway with, um, with guns pointed at us just to make sure that we weren't going to, you know, run harm out with anybody. your guns. <laughs> yeah. How so, old? Do you mind if I ask you how old you were at this time? Gosh, I was. I was in my. I was in my thirties. And had you already had children at this point? No. Okay. I had not yet. Um, which on this trip, probably more than anything else, is where I realized that I really wanted one. Um, but so that being said, we landed. Um, was I was terrified and not sure if I'd made a mistake in coming there after seeing the soldiers with their guns pointed at us. But then. We, with a group of physicians and nurses, we went out to the refugee camps and saw things that I, I never, I hope not many people have to see. Um, but there was this one camp in particular that we went to, and that day there were children running around, and they were angry and yelling at each other, and it was, it was really hard for me to see that. And as we went through the week, we had a choice of which camp we wanted to go back to. Well, this was the camp I chose. I, I told them we have to go back to this one particular camp with these children. The harshest I, one. The harshest one. I just felt like I needed to play with those kids. And I didn't have any toys. Um, so we had a group. Of, there were six of us um, with a taxi driver. And we were driving out on this dirt road. And out of the middle, in the middle of nowhere, just as we were heading out, there was a big net of balls that almost, to me, it seemed unreal that it was there. But I told the taxi driver, you have to stop the car. We have to get those balls. And there was no place to put the balls. There were six of us in the front. We had all of our medical equipment in the back. And the guys got out of the car, and somehow they were able to pay for the balls, and they were able to fit them in the car. And then as we were driving out to the refugee camp, the taxi driver asked someone in his in his native language, what is she going to do with those balls? And I said, I just want to play with the kids. And it came, he said, I am a professional soccer player and a coach. And he said, I'd really like to help you today. Wow. Um, so it was, it was a really neat experience. So we got there and these children were running around, but with the help of this taxi driver, we were able to get all the kids playing on teams, girls on one team, boys on another, and they played their hearts out, and they played together, and they were so kind to each other. And it at was the an end, equalizing event for yeah, them. Yeah, and it was structure, and it was fun, and it was safe for them. And so once that was done, um, I asked the the translator to have the children gather around me, and asked if they would sing songs for me. And I couldn't communicate because their language was different, but they started singing songs um, that were so beautiful. 
But one by one, and to me this was the most unique part of it, is one by one, without being asked, the children stood up with their hands down at their side with so much pride in their eyes, and they began to quote poetry that they had learned in their country. I mean, we're talking about five, six, seven, eight-year-olds. And by then, all the parents that were there and the, the nurses and doctors had gathered around, and there was not a dry eye anywhere because... It was so touching and moving. The pride in those children in their eyes was beyond belief because the stories that the experiences that those children had gone through were their their fathers, their uncles had been taken away. Um, they had seen terrible, terrible things, and everything that they had had been taken away from them. So they were there as refugees. And the most amazing um, thing for me to understand is that they had nothing, and yet they were worried about us. Their parents were asking, what can we do for you? So they had nothing. They were stripped of everything, and they were still giving. And the one thing that I realized about those children is that they knew in their hearts when they were quoting that poetry that they were going to go home. And they did. They're back home now. But it's also really important, I think, to to understand that there were so many people that made that possible. They couldn't have done it alone. And so... There were people that came and volunteered um, and people who had sent even clothing that they were wearing. They had clothes with Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. and um, But those children taught me that no matter what you face in life, you don't give up. No matter what's taken away from you or what experiences you face, you just don't give up. So that was in 1999. And that prepared me for a lot of events that I would actually face as I as I move forward. It was almost as if that was such an important lesson for me to learn. So I went there with the intention of helping them, and, and yet they, they taught you. me. Yeah. yeah. So I, there's so many experiences like that in life that actually turn out in that way. Yeah. You go with the intention to give, and you receive so much more. Right. And I think that might be what they were experiencing when they were trying to give back, too. Mm -hmm. You know, they did receive something. And that's such a beautiful example of the human exchange because it really is within our our desire, I think, to give. Mm -hmm. And perfect timing for um, the holiday season because this is when people are reflecting about what they're going to give or how they're going to give. You know, more importantly, what you give is how you're going to give this time of the year. And um, and that's that's a really beautiful story. Yeah, and I, I, um, I, I um, and the magic of the soccer player being there right when yes, you needed him most. Yes, uh, and ironically, I did come home, and I, I do have a son now. In his first grade year, um, I volunteered in his classroom, and the assignment that was given to me was teaching him and his friends poetry. So mm. it was ironic that that's how it happened. But that experience basically. Um, gave me the inspiration to move out of the role that I was in and to go back to my education. So And pursue that deeper. Well, if you're just tuning in, this is Real People of Orange County. I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And we have in the studio with us uh, Kathy O'Kelly. And Kathy is a uh, nurse practitioner, but you have on your bio um, a health family, a preventative health family nurse practitioner. Has that role evolved for you? Did you start out just in general 
um, practice and then really want to focus on preventative health? Yes. Um, working in the emergency department, I saw a lot of tragedy, a lot of accidents, a lot of heart attacks, strokes, and things like that. And I always, with every patient, would <clears throat> always ask myself, how could I prevent this? And so once I got my education, that became a driving force for me. What can I do to be on the front end of the emergency instead of being there trying to put all the pieces back together as okay. a nurse? So, And that's, um, that's such the challenge of our generation. And I say our meaning, um, you know, we're both ladies in our 40s. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really coming of age in a, in a more popular way when we were in our 20s, in our formative years, when we were deciding what contributions we wanted to make. And um, it wasn't a popular thing to talk about back then. And, and yet there were a lot of people that are really drawn to looking for ways to stop and to prevent disease. Um, you know, even with that said, we haven't come very far, have we? No. I don't really understand that. I mean, I understand it. I mean, I understand it in my own life how it happens. But um, but what do you think the main reason for that is? Well, I can tell you one of the things that impacted me. Um, because I always worked in the emergency department, I was very well respected. You were doing things that were accepted in the field of nursing and medicine. But when I started deciding that I wanted to do things with um, skin care, um, that was not well accepted. That I, was not mainstream, you That mean? was not mainstream. And I remember actually sitting in a classroom the students around me knew that I dealt with skin care, and one of the faculty said, the nurses that are getting involved in skin care are muddying the water. And I remember feeling so um, embarrassed, and for a while that impacted my choices. So I would get involved in skin care, and then I would go back to something that I felt was a little bit more honorable in other people's eyes. So I allowed them in, to... to in- to define me. In the medical community's In eyes. In the medical community's Science. Eyes. Right. Well, when you say the nurses getting involved in skincare were muddying the water, what did they mean? What was the at the crux of their well, I th- consternation? I think to certain people, if you start dealing with skincare, it's not as respectable as being a cardiovascular nurse or physician <coughs> or a, a, a specialty such as that. Skincare is not widely accepted. Um, And so it took me a while to come to terms with what I was doing and that that is valuable because actually our skin is the largest organ of our body and very responsible for our health and wellness. So once I can get, could get a hold of that, then I really have put myself into that role. So define for me or explain to me how a nurse gets involved in skincare. What does that look like from the medical community perspective? Um, there's not it's going to be very different from me as a gal at home looking for a face cream. Yeah, it's it's not clearly defined, and that was one of the things that I, I first um, began to understand when I started pursuing it. Uh, there are very specific guidelines and rules and control points and quality assurance points for every other specialty, but not skincare. So. Um, it's, it's a path. It's kind of blazing a trail in, in a new path and trying to make sure that the skin care that people are getting is quality and not putting them at risk. Okay. So do you think that there's some 
uh, bias, we'll say, we won't say prejudice, but maybe some bias within the healthcare community because the perception is that skincare is about appearance and something that's maybe superficial and not so much about an individual's overall health? That is, yeah, it's absolutely correct. Okay. And, and, and they began to associate or say this has to do with Botox or skin fillers, and it's so much more. So how is it that they're wrong? Let's talk about that. Well, like I said, um, skincare is the largest organ of the body, and, and we don't, we're just just beginning to completely understand that you can put a patch with medication on it and your body will metabolize it. Right. You can, and we have as women wanting to look our best have, you know, put all kinds of different creams on our skin. And we're now beginning to find out that possibly some of those creams and some of the chemicals that are in them are harmful to our skin. Um, can we be specific on what some of those are? Well, mineral oil, uh, and again, I want to make it clear, I don't want to alienate anyone, and it's there's a lot of inconclusive. There's For every one study that says that one chemical might not be good for you, there's so many more and so many companies that say that's wrong. It is good for you. Um, but for par- parabens, for example, let's talk about is that. Is that how you say that? I always say parabens, but it's parabens. It's either way, I'm parabens. sure it's fine. Okay. But the, the chemical is used in deodorants, and sometimes it can be up to 90% of some of the products that we use. What is a paraben? It's, it's used as a preservative. It's a chemical that's placed in our products. It's shampoos, it's uh, lotions, it's skin, it's facial creams. But it, it allows the company to keep their products on the shelf for a longer period of time. And it's in deodorants. So it just extends the shelf life. It extends the shelf life, exactly. And why, um, okay, so it's, it's a preservative, extends shelf life. How is it that it is proving to be causing us some damage? So you're saying, not you, but medical science is saying mm-hmm. that we're actually absorbing some of these things through this large right. organ of our body. Right. And it's going into maybe our bloodstream or into our tissues. Let's talk about that. Yes, there's actually studies that are finding uh, that there, have, there was one study where they actually started um, checking uh, breast tumor tissue, and they were finding parabens actually in the tissue. So they're finding it in breast tissue. They're finding it underneath the arms. Is it aggregating in some way in it, s- these areas? I mean, well, there's a question that's a right that's being discussed: is ca- can this contribute to breast cancer? Well, but but you said they're finding it in certain areas. Let's say, I mean, I don't know too many people that put lotion. Well, maybe they do <laughs> on their bus line. There's a lot. But wh- why would it aggregate to certain areas? Do they understand that? Or is it migrating it's, through the body? Yeah, it's, it's, it's still not fully understood. So these are just things that they're in, are now just beginning to research. One of the things, as far as the underarms, um, you know, we talk about men and women both use these deodorants, and they both have uh, parabens. But the 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 point that we need to understand is that men don't shave underneath their arms, but women do. So we're actually okay. So this is interesting. I just took a trip with my daughter to Costa Rica, and <clears throat> we would naturally be trudging through some waters mm-hmm. of unknown uh, origin. Um, you hope that everything is safe and, and good when you're doing this. But, you know, you 
take uh, boats down swamps and then you're asked to get off the boat and walk through the water to get to the shore. And I said, my daughter was all excited. She's young. She just started shaving her legs. (laughs) And I said, before we go, we are not going to shave for two weeks. And she's like, why, mom? I go, I know this is tricky. You know, it's more tricky for mom than it is for you. I don't want my skin to have any aggravated openings. And I believe shaving aggravates our pores when it's, when we shave so that anything can get in. I want my skin to be the biggest protector for us when we're going into unknown situations. And, um, and that is so, that's a hundred percent pure mother's intuition coming out right there. I mean, I'm, I'm not the most savvy gal, but I'm savvy enough to figure some of these things out. But that's just like, Hey, I don't want any little pores or pockets or divots in my body that would let anything negative in. And so what we're saying is that because we shave our armpits, we're making that area pretty vulnerable. We open up our follicles actually where men don't normally shave. So the question now arising, and, and do we have proof? No, and there's a lot of people that try to disprove it, but could that be contributing? The fact that we do shave, and on a you know freshly shaven underarm, we apply deodorant and we apply these creams, could it be contributing to, to breast cancers? The other thing that they're looking at is, can it mim- mimic hormones that might um, cause other problems within the body? You know, could it cause a thyroid disorder? And and the thyroid problems that we're seeing are on the rise. Breast cancer is on the rise. So these are just things that I I'm hoping to educate um, women and men. Just think twice before you put certain products on. And if you can choose something natural over something that's not, then I would hope that you would choose something that's more natural. And I am an avid. Um, I promote in my practice um, using coconut oil or grapeseed oil or Moroccan oil or um, different things like that um, instead of going and buying a lotion that's on the, on the shelf that has a preservative in it, whether it's, you know, paraben or some other type of chemical. So Okay, so well, let's talk about that. Okay, well, we, we talked about mineral oil and parabens. Are there others that we should be looking at on labels to avoid? You know, I uh, there are a lot of chemicals that are are starting. They're starting to be looked at, but there's not. I don't have enough evidence to pull one of those out and start talking about it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right, but something that we would encourage our listeners to go and maybe do some research. Absolutely, right now on their yeah. own. Well, one of the things that I think is kind of hard to do is like you were saying that you put mineral oil on your face and stuff like that instead of just like. Um, store-bought stuff that comes from, say, Target. like not mineral oil. (laughs) Yeah, not mineral oil. That was on the bad list. That was on the the bad list. Yeah. I I was just wondering, like, um, because the, you know, deodorant fact, you know, I mean, most of the companies that produce, you know, personal hygiene products like Procter & Gamble, it's such a small, condensed industry with lots of brands. How do you avoid a a paraben-free deodorant? Because that would be a hard one to find. How do you choose it? Yeah. How do you find one? I I look on all the labels now. I I was just educating my youngest daughter about um, parabens. And I said, you know, mommy's trying to buy shampoo that doesn't have this. And she's like, well, why are you using it? And I said, well, I'm trying not to. And she goes, well, why do you, why do you want to scale me so much? (laughs) But um, (laughs) she she says I imitate her like that, but she doesn't actually talk that way. (laughs) I think she did at one point. So (laughs) it imprinted. But um, 
I use a stone for yes. deodorant. And I that's use, a good and I would love somebody to tell me how a or why that works. It's exactly it's called it's a crystal, but it, it can dissolve in water. Mm-hmm. In fact, I left one on the sink once, and it did dissolve. So I would love to know more about that. If you know any more that you can tell me about that, yeah. Um, no, but I it just... is a it's a crystal, and they're they're shaping it now in the in the form of a deodorant stick, and it doesn't give you that satisfying feeling that sometimes deodorant does if you're feeling very active in this region. Region, but believe you me, it works. I mean, it is unreal how it works. Yeah. And is, is that the only source? Yeah. Well, there there are other options, but you know, even the ones that are organic will still have chemicals in it that we're still not sure about how safe they are. So we have to be careful. That's why I really promote trying to stay with something that's completely natural. Um, but the the stone is, if I was going to advise anyone to use that, that's probably the best option out it's there right the now. Yeah. yeah. And like I was explaining to my eight-year-old, I said, you know, had I known this when I was your age, I would have had all these years to have prevented exposure. And I wouldn't have had to worry about what's mounting up in my body. Right. I said, I've got you young and fresh and influenceable. I can influence her to make good decisions so that they don't add up in her body. Because I, I, my guess is that with the quality of everything going down in life, the quality of the, the things they're putting in our products is probably also going down. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine that, um, that things, you know, would that they're making things of quality anymore that we could we can really trust frankly and and honestly what people don't understand when we tell people to eat healthy and they go and eat berries because it has the antioxidants in it because they want to want they they want to feel better what i'm trying to get women and men to understand is that when you go and put coconut oil on your skin it's an antifungal antiviral antibacterial that hydrates your skin so you're actually putting a protective barrier that has antioxidants in it. So that, as opposed to choosing something with mineral oils and chemicals, um, is a far better choice. Okay. So, um, so, Heather, have we inspired you to use the rock? <laughs> well, I would have to see the rock. <laughs> you would certainly have, because that's one of the frustrations for me is, when it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it's just like, oh, let's find a cure. Well, I'm like, well, how about let's take all the toxins out of the environment? That might cut down the p- amount of people getting it in the first place. But but until they do, which yeah. is a long way off, you need to find the best way to protect your skin and your body yeah. by consuming berries and by putting items on your skin that's going to protect you from those free radicals in the environment. Okay, so. so let's go talking about some of the positive ways. And then just really quickly, if you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Real People of Orange County. I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. We have in the studio with me my ever trusty engineer, <laughs> Heather McCoy. She doesn't leave my side. I'm really grateful for that, by the way. Yeah. Um, you've been really just an incredibly reliable person and um, and stalwart in every way. I'm really grateful for well, that. Well, thank you. So um, a true professional, that's for sure. And then we have in the studio also Kathy O'Kelly. And Kathy is a, a local local to the Irvine area. You're actually a graduate of UCI, aren't you? I am. So you're an alum. And that's actually a good thing because we want to maybe encourage some students that are here on campus and listening 
to seek you out and maybe learn a little bit about your educational journey and how you ended up where you are. Would you be open for that? Absolutely. And their graduate school is, and their nursing school is amazing. Their faculty is wonderful. Um, do, Do you have an email contact or a website that we can maybe direct people to that are listening and that are interested? I do. Um, it's K O K E L L E Y R N at C O X dot net. And I would love to answer any and all questions. I always spell that one out too. I never just say it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's gotten me into trouble a couple of times. When I would give my email out to people that weren't from uh, Orange County, they just didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. And what about a website? Do you have a website for uh, the You know, I have a blog that's probably the best place. I try to keep that updated. It's called blissfullypure.com. Okay. Blissfully Pure. Dot com. Yes. Blissfully meaning B-L-I-S-S-F-U-L-L-Y pure P-U-R-E right. dot com. Blissfully pure dot com. Yeah. Um, so we are talking about the largest organ in our body, skin, and we're talking about how Kathy O'Kelly has taken the path as a medical practitioner to really educate yourself and help us look at the way we treat our skin differently than we have been. It's a real paradigm shift, isn't it, when you talk to people? Yeah. Because you're not just talking about what to put on your face. Right. And honestly, when I start talking about these natural oils, initially my patients look at me like, um, do you, do you, are you sure? But when they go home and they use it for 30 days, they come back with radiant skin. And all over their body? or all, Yeah, because you can take a coconut oil and you can put uh, pure cane sugar in it and use it as a body scrub. Mm. So there's all kinds of different fun things that you can do with natural products. And you're, you're nourishing your skin, not hurting it. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Um, let's talk about some of the individual oils and what some of those properties are and why they're so important sure. to us. So like I, I was talking about the coconut oil, I think the biggest... Um, the biggest point about the coconut oil is that it does have a lot of antioxidants in it. Um, and it is an antifungal, antibacterial, um, antiviral. So if you put it on your skin, if you suffer from breakouts, but you put it on your skin, it will actually protect you from breaking out a lot of times. Although it is listed as being comedogenic, so in some cases it can block the pores. Okay, so let's so let's tell our listeners what comedogenic means. Cause comedogenic we're, means that it it sets in your pores and it doesn't allow it to breathe. So it it um, because our body is not just about what we put on it. It's we also lose toxins okay. through our skin as well. So we want to keep that path open as much as we can. But again. There, there are very few people that have a hard time with it, with the level of comedogenic um, that it's been given, which is like a two. So most people can tolerate it fine without any problems okay, because of its antioxidant properties. So that's one of my absolute favorites. Um, grapeseed is another one. It's non-comedogenic mostly. Uh, again, these are new oil. These are, they're old oils. They've been used through down through the centuries, but they're just starting to study them and break them down and realize what's in them. Um, Grapeseed oil actually has a lot of vitamin E in it, so a lot of people will go get serums with vitamin E, but it also has the 
preservatives. This is something you can put on your skin, and it's packed full of vitamin E. So it hydrates, and again, it's an antioxidant with the vitamins in it. And where do you find the skin version of this? Because I think both mm-hmm. of I've just looked it up, and both coconut oil and grapeseed oil are both also cooking additives. That's basically. a yeah. good. That's a good question, and I tell everyone um, that you go ex- you go directly to the cooking aisle. You do not pick them up in the skincare aisle. Oh, oh really? Really? Yes, and wow. you always want to get organic. So the the great news about the coconut oil is I tell the patients, okay, try this for two weeks. If it doesn't work, you're out of $15 as opposed to $200, which well, is the great thing about it. I, I used to put coconut oil on my toast in the morning until I got myself off the toast habit, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to get something other than butter. <laughs> but um, but it, it's, it's amazing to cook with. Right. It's really... It is amazing, and I'll tell you that for a while, they almost put the coconut industry out of business. So Who a lot of plantations. Just, just when we started making a shift to... That type of thinking. The type of oils, we can't have the saturated fats, so we need to get rid of... Co- coconut oil was, it was taken in with that, that group, and they oh, said see. we've got to get it out. And so they started making some of these synthetic oils that like our body... oil. Yeah, that our body can cannot metabolize, which is making could be making us sicker. So the coconut oil, um, that's why you see coconut oil and coconut milk and coconut water all around because they're starting to realize this is a very healthy product for you. And um, so for coconut oil on your skin, do you just rub it on the infected yeah. area only, or no? You can rub it all over. Now okay. for your face, a lot of people, all you need is like one to two droppers. But it's a solid form, so it's kind of hard to put it in a dropper. But you really only need a little bit. It absorbs into your skin. Anything that's left over on the surface of your skin, you just you wipe it off. So I think actually Costco is selling right now an organic coconut oil, and it is, like you said, in solid form. Solid form, and it just you have to make sure that it's either virgin or extra virgin oil to make sure that it has all the, all the antioxidant. Properties. And there's really not, um, I talked to a, a company, they said there is really not a difference between virgin and extra virgin. It's more of a, a marketing um, tool. Okay. Well, I thought it was just the difference between a first crush and a second crush. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, like it, a, a, for grapes, you know, here's your yeah, most potent, and then we dilute it down with the second crush. Yes, and the way that they explained it to me, it's more... That applies more to olive oil okay. more than anything else. Okay. So coconut oil is not looked at or, or reviewed in the same way. Now, um, give me an example of what it would be like for a patient to come in. What are some of the issues that they're seeking advice on from you? Since your practice is really rather specific, isn't it? It is. Okay. Yes. So how do you how do people come to you and why would be some of the reasons they would come to you? Well, I... I have women that come to me and say, I would just like a laser treatment. I have some wrinkles and I have some brown spots. And And they're consulting just about their face at this point? Just about their face. And they think that I'm going to pay for a treatment and it's all going to be good. And it is good. You do get great results with it. But I take it a step further. I take it actually two steps further. I actually put, um, with an oxygen infusion therapy, I infuse oil into their skin with an oxygen therapy. therapy machine. So I, I give them what's called a laser genesis treatment, which stimulates collagen production that they wouldn't normally get. And then I follow that treatment up with the oxygen oil, with the oil therapy. And then I don't stop there. I continue to educate them about what they can do at home using these natural oils. 
And like I said, some patients will look at me like I'm crazy, but then they go home and they try it, and they're so surprised at the results. And when I see them in 30 days for a second treatment, they look phenomenal. Their skin is hydrated, and they're happy. And Do they lose some of their wrinkles just because of the hydration being improved? I, I believe that it, it does have a great... It, just hydrating their skin has a great impact on, on their appearance. Okay. So now are they um, encouraged then to use these botanicals all over their body yes. rather than just their face? Yes. And I tell them different ways of how they can do that. If they need, if their face feels a little rough, they can put a little bit of baking soda in some coconut oil and use it as like a microderm type treatment. Okay. And they're just doing it themselves. Um, you can put sugar in um, coconut oil. We will purchase a lot of times for $50 or more a body scrub, but you can actually make it yourself with coconut oil and sugar, and you can put an essential oil in there to make it smell really good. Um, And then you just have to be really careful. I always have to warn my patients, be very careful because then it gets really slippery. Um, just from the in oil. your tub or your shower. Yeah. You know, my husband has actually complained about that. He was like, you've got to stop using that scrub in the shower. I'm going to kill myself. So what I tell patients to do is actually apply it and use the scrub outside of the shower, standing over a towel, wipe it off, and then get into the shower. Um, but it is it is amazing in how it works. And you can you can put coconut oil in your hair. You can put Moroccan oil in your hair. Oh, talk to me about that because that's the big buzz, Moroccan oil. Uh, the Moroccan oils that are on the shelf today, are those 100% pure Moroccan oil? I can't say for sure, but I'm guessing no. Okay. Because they're, they're very expensive. And, and we're not – we just never getting – we're just always getting a tip of <laughs> – yeah. Of what's real in life today. We're never getting the real deal. So right. what would the real deal be doing for us if we had it? If you had it, it just, it absorbs into your skin. And again, it's an antioxidant and it hydrates. The The Moroccan oil actually has been proven to penetrate the hair shaft. So it makes it softer. So you can use coconut oil on your hair. Or you can use uh, Moroccan oil. It's just that coconut oil might make it feel a little drier because it's a more solid form. Whereas the Moroccan oil is not. There's an ancient Indian practice called Panchakarma. Are you familiar with that? No. Oh, you'd love it. I would. Um, well, study about it because it is about the ritual of bathing yourself in oils. And I think they, um, I met a gal who's an Indian woman and she said her favorite thing to do when she goes home is her family oils up her hair and they have the most beautiful black hair and when it is you know richly hydrated it just looks like you could fall into a pool of their hair because it's just so beautiful and um and and deeply emollient and so these are the kinds of qualities that we're looking to pursue and to achieve when we're looking at using some of these botanical oils right and, and it does work because it penetrates the the hair and it protects it and it makes it stronger. So my hair was always breaking off. And then when I started using the coconut oil is when my hair started growing. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So are you thinking that maybe that you stimulated the scalp in some way to regenerate hair growth? Or how did that? I I just, it, the, the properties in the coconut oil make the hair stronger. It doesn't have protein, but it protects the protein okay. in your hair. So. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. So listen, one of the reasons that I was intrigued by what you had to say was you shared with me some of the people that you were inspired Mm by. And I was fascinated to see that Mary Kay Ash of Mary Kay, the pink Cadillac was on that list. And I don't really know anything about her. Just give us a brief um, mention of her story. I've actually read books about her from the time I can remember. Um, She started, the, the, the reason I love her is is that she didn't give up in life. Um, she was she was actually, she had to take care of her father when she was very young. He was very ill. And then she went on to get married and had three children while her husband abandoned her. Um, and she was left to care for her three children on her own. And she went into the sales industry, which was very much a male-dominated field. And she would train men at only to time, see them. At that time, right? Yes, yeah. at that time. And then she would see the, the men that she would train would get the promotions that she applied for. And she wasn't treated all that well. So she wanted to do something for women. And so she took $5,000 of her life savings. Um, and at that time, she was married. And she was going to begin. She was going to launch Mary Kay. So she purchased a the rights to a skincare um, set. Um, her husband was going to be the, the president and the financial, the guy that handles all the finances, because she knew that she did. She just wanted to deal with the people and the women, and so he was going to be her financial guy. She was going to really reach out to everyone. And a month before she was t- set to launch the, the Mary Kay, he actually passed away of a heart attack. Uh. And so she was in the midst of grieving and thought, I can't do this. I need to give up. And her family gathered around her and said, Mom, we believe in you. We believe in you, and we want you to keep going. And so with her encouragement, her son actually eventually left his job so that he could handle the financials so that she could go out there and teach women about skin care and makeup and, and, and makeup. So that, and, and today she's, she's gone now, but she, it's a billion dollar empire that goes on to help women across the, not just the U S but across the country. So she actually took an idea. She took a skincare line and she taught other women how to sell it. And that was, um, income and support for those women um, and it's like I said, it's become a million dollar in a billion dollar empire. And she just believed, and she always said, if you, if you if you believe in what you're doing enough, it will happen. So, so there's there's a lot to be said for starting out at this stage in life. Yes, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I I don't find it unique or different. It is a struggle, but. I think because of Mary Kay's life and because I was so inspired by her and she did not start until she was in her 40s, mid to late 40s, and look what she accomplished. And no one, not any obstacle or regardless of what she faced, she just kept going because she believed in what she was doing. Well, we're so much smarter now than we were when we started out. (laughs) It's a good thing men marry young women, (laughs) otherwise they wouldn't get married. (laughs) Is that mean to say? Sorry, I said that out on the air. I don't think it's mean at all. (laughs) It's your perspective. (laughs) Well, I think there's more people that would relate to that than not. But... um, but what is it what is it like for you? Do you feel like you're reinventing your career a little bit now? I do. I, I feel like I, I am a single mom. I did go through a divorce and, and a lot of the events that have occurred maybe in the past 10 years or even since the Albania trip have 
just forced me out of my comfort zone and forced me to redefine my life and and actually the people that I want to reach and the things that I want to teach them and um, kind of blaze a new trail out there in, in skin care and in health care and wellness. So. Um, do you deal with health, health and wellness in your practice as well? I do. Um, I re- But at this point, it's more through education than anything else. It's the, the laser, I look at it as what I call a hook. It draws women in, and it draws men in, and it allows me to educate them as they're there. So, so. okay, so one of the modalities you help with with um, the external appearance or the skin is the laser. Let's talk a little bit about that. Do you have a certain type of laser? Yes, or is there, it can is, you educate us on lasers? Yeah, it's a Qterra laser, and I believe that the Qterra um, company and the Qterra lasers are the best. And I did a lot of research because they're very safe. If if there is a problem with that laser, if there's a light source issue, the laser will shut down and it will not operate until you repair it. So I really like that. What is the laser technically doing to the surface of our skin? It's actually, um, it warms up the skin, so it stimulates what's called fibroblast cells, which in turn stimulates collagen. So it actually, so as we get older, we lose our collagen. It it starts to decrease um, as we get older, and from things that are in the environment, it it causes our a loss of collagen. So what the laser does is it heats up the skin naturally and causes our um, flattened out pattern of collagen to coil up. So that gives us fullness in the skin. And then the it, it actually causes new collagen to grow, whereas we wouldn't normally get that. So it, it's called collagen remodeling. So if you take a patient who has um, acne scars, um, you will actually see that the, some of the acne scars fill in and the skin become much smoother because it's, it's remodeling the collagen. And I, at, when I worked at a plastic surgeon's office for a while, I would actually do the, the same type of treatment on scars and would see it go from a really thick scar to a very fine scar that you could barely see. So. Oh, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, are, so all lasers are not created equal. Can no. we be educated a little bit about that? That is, that would take a really <laughs> long time. Um, yeah, they're all different. They all have different settings, different energy levels, um, different light sources, different levels that the light will penetrate in the skin, and so it, it is. It is hard. The one that I use, it uses infrared light, which is very safe. Um, and that's, that's what actually, I don't do anything magical to the skin other than I warm it up with special techniques of the laser and that in turn stimulates collagen production. So each person is different. So if I'm treating someone who smokes, the results are probably going to be a lot less because healing time is, is not so, it's not so great. And their collagen production is really poor. Because of the smoking. Because of the smoking and what it does to the skin. So how often does somebody have to come in for a treatment to see some results? It really depends if you're an older person and... Older as in our age or... uh, Yeah, and (laughs) older. Uh, If you have large... Older than 20. (laughs) If you have larger pores, if you have brown spots, 
um, wrinkles, fine lines. Um, and if you have a lot of vascularity in your face, so rosacea, somebody who has rosacea, which is acne with really intense redness, the laser will actually help that. Okay. So it, it not only stimulates collagen production, but it will make the, the vessels much smaller so that the redness in your skin goes away. It's, it's pretty phenomenal what it will do. And then on top of that, if you put oils with um, an oxygen infusion and you continue to use the oil without putting any preservatives, that the results are pretty phenomenal. Okay. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Real People of Orange County. We have in our studio, oh, actually, I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and with me is Heather McCoy. And we have in our studio is Kathy O'Kelly. She's a health and wellness nurse practitioner here in Newport Beach. You're located over there by um, what I would call, well, fashion. And there's like a medical area, right? Right. On San Miguel? Yes. Okay. And um, and you're you're located above, you told me Studio you're... Studio 4 Salon, hair oh. salon. Okay. Next to the pet hotel. And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing that? Do you have a phone number? Yes. We can share? Okay, yes. let's share the phone number it's for the office. 949. Okay. Five five two, one one three one. Okay. Or they can also email me. A lot of my patients will actually just text instead of calling. That's so been better. Great. Okay. And your email we had written down is k o k e l l e y r n, like as in registered nurse, right? Um, k o k Kelly K O Kelly Kelly is spelled K E L L E Y at uh, C O X dot net. Um, our local cable provider. Yes. <laughs> and um, you also have a blog, blissfullypure.com. Tell me about the blog. The blog actually just began um, not too long ago, and it it it's just a, a platform for me to talk to patients more about um, natural skincare products and actually wellness topics of all kinds because it's not just about skin it's what we eat it's what we the stress level in our lives all of those factors impact our skin and how we look and how we feel okay so i am going to have a variety of topics there um on that blog on blissfullypure.com. On blissfully pure. Yeah, I refer to myself as a research geek because I love in my free time to just get out the research articles and especially the newest ones and and read it and then try to present that to people in a way that they can understand so that they can utilize it as in a way that makes sense to them. Okay. And um, we touched on this, but we didn't quite get there. When somebody wants to come in and see some results with a laser treatment, mm-hmm. what are they looking for in terms of a time commitment? They can come in and do one treatment, but and and you're right, we did get off that topic. It if like I was saying, if you're older, you may need a series of treatments before you see a significant pr- improvement. So if we have a woman who has a lot of fine lines mm-hmm. around her lips, it may take a series of anywhere from one to five treatments before you see a difference, but you will see a difference. And does that mean that they have to continue this effort in an ongoing way? Or how does that work? They don't have to, but I'll tell you that most of my patients really love the treatment. So they usually come back pretty much every 30 days, and it is safe enough to do that. One time every 30 days? or Usually one time every 30 days. Like the way that some girls will go and spend $150 on a facial 
they'll come to see me and do the laser genesis treatment, and they know that the results are lasting. Is the laser genesis treatment around that price point, the 150 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they come in for a visit. How long does that take? I usually spend about an hour and a half with each patient just because I, I really like to get great results. Um, and that's the problem um, is that they're – the the laser is actually operator dependent, so I could charge you two fifty and just do a few pulses, and you'd go and say this doesn't work. Hmm. Whereas I like to spend a lot of time, lay down a lot of pulses in very specific areas, and that's why I think the results that I get are pretty phenomenal. Okay, and you're saying that's not typical with many of these other laser no, no, operators, or we no, just don't I, know. No, I I think it's very typical, and I think that the operators, especially you know. The ones that I know, they really do care. But when I see negative critiques of the laser treatments, I really do believe that that's when it becomes operator. Um, not so much the uh, laser itself, because right. the laser is doing its job. Right. Because what I'll hear is I, I'll hear people say, well, I read that Qterra laser is not that good when I, in not fact, I know, yeah. not that effective when, in fact, I, I know that it is. Right. And I know that if I did. 2,000 pulses as opposed to 10,000 pulses, then of course the results are going to be very different. How so. long does it take to deliver a pulse? Just a second. Okay. It's like a bleep, bleep, you know, okay. treatment. And you sit and focus on an area. Do people come in and have other parts of their bodies la- lasered for scars and for yeah. sunspots and aging spots elsewhere? Yeah, and I need to be clear that the sunspots are a different treatment. That's an intense pulse light. So okay. that's something that I off- also do offer with my Kutera laser. So, yeah. But yes, there are different parts of the body that can be treated. Okay, good. And then really quickly, can you touch on oxygen, the oxygen therapy that you follow up with? Yeah, it's a little hand piece that you use. Okay, it's a little hand piece that you use, and I put oil in it. And at the same time the oxygen comes out, the oil is it comes out and is infused. And that's on the surface of the skin that you've just been addressing. Right. It's a maybe a healing part of the process? Right. It's a healing, hydrating type of the treatment. So. Okay. Okay, good. Anything else you want to tell our listeners no. while we're here today? I just want to thank you for letting me come and talk about what I love to do. So okay, good. I've, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I've been really um, reluctant to even think about anything, that, but when you wrap it up into the concept of health and wellness, it, it really makes some sense, especially when um, you tell me I can get some of these things on the cooking aisle. <laughs> I feel liberated. I'm a bit of a bargain shopper. I don't know if you've learned that about me or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anything, anything I can get at a bargain is great for me. But, um, but, yeah, I've been really reticent because, you know, like all my friends that put lotion on every day, I, it just never appealed to me. And I actually feel really thankful now after all these years that I didn't lather up with all that junk because maybe that wasn't the thing to do. And, um, you know, maybe there, there was some, some advantage to abstaining from putting everything on my face and my skin. I don't know if it was laziness on my part or not, but that's why um, you have beautiful skin. Well, everybody asks me what I do, and I say, I'm sorry, but I do nothing. And yeah. I think that has a lot to do with why. Uh-huh. So, um, well, okay, we're wrapping up here rather quickly. And um, up next is Matt Kaplan with um, Counterspin. I'm sorry, Matt Kaplan with Planetary Radio. But That's before, later. Before that happens, Counterspin. I'm trying to do this the right way, and Heather's, Heather's <laughs> over there laughing at me and making fun of me while I'm trying to be a, a radio DJ. <laughs> a failed one, maybe, at Well, that. you did a good job. 
job the last hour. So. Well, oh, okay. Well, thank you so much. But um, I always look forward to Matt. He's such a gentleman and a true professional. So Matt Kaplan with Counterspin and then followed, following up with Planetary Radio. We look forward to having him in the studio. So, Heather, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Until next time. Until next time.